is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the Twilight Zone. Hello, welcome to an extended edition of the Twilight Highlight Zone. I'm your host, Jeff Cork, joined with my buddy, Ben Hansen. Hello, Jeff Cork. And we're just wrapping up season three. That's all Usually, we're doing. we've been doing it in blocks of five, but wouldn't you know it, this this season has like 36 episodes, so it's just not cooperating. There were a lot of episodes this season. I know. I'm going to start off with a little episode called The Trade-Ins. Oh, interesting. Okay. When we open, there is an elderly couple, very much still in love, but the matriarchy's having some health issues, and he's greeted... This guy is basically giving him on a tour. They've got this magic procedure in the future where they're able to transplant personalities, minds, consciousness, the whole kit and caboodle into new bodies, okay? So this couple is interested in having the procedure done so they can extend their lives. These new bodies, not only are they... They'll be in the bodies of a 20-year-old, but these new bodies have lifespans into the hundreds. So it's a fantastic deal. Unfortunately, it's prohibitively expensive, and they only have enough money to do one person. So the husband is upset. He goes to a poker game that he's heard about, even though he doesn't know anything about cards, <laughs> and decides he's going all in. And he has a what he thinks is a winning hand. The person actually has the cards to beat him, but he feels bad after having heard the story and is like, Ah, uh, you beat me. Here's your money back after losing some money. And then... Goes back. They only have enough money to do one of them. The wife insists, oh, do it for you. You do it, hon. And he's like, are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah, you do it. Then we fast forward a little bit. He comes out, does some push-ups, uh, some light calisthenics. And then she looks in horror because he's talking about their future together. And we have all this time to do all this stuff. And then, fortunately, the procedure is easily reversed. And they're going to die together at the end. And it's a happy ending? It's, I think it's kind of a happy ending. It's interesting. This is like the third fear of death episode this season. Because just kick the can and then mm-hmm. also nothing in the dark. Right. And it seems like nothing in the dark's lesson was also like, hey, just go ahead and embrace death. Kick the can's lesson was death is scary. Avoid it at all costs unless you're a bad old man. And you, you can escape it. Exactly. It's forever. possible to cheat it. This is more of like Twilight Zone, Ray Guns and Aliens. There's a way around it, a shortcut that isn't magical. Science is the answer. Yeah, and it was the science was super confusing. Like, did they take his brain and put it into it? They didn't really go into it. They said it. Remember, he, they start to describe it and they trail off. It's like it's a lot. It's actually a very simple process. It's yeah. electronic. Blah, 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 blah. I like that they went out of the way to show the old lady his body once he was no longer in it. Like they're mm-hmm. wheeling past. Yeah, and he's like covered. Very gracefully by mm-hmm. a blanket, and then yeah. they're like, "Hey, get a load of this!" Yes. And they lift the blanket up, like, "Look at your dead husband, old lady!" And now look at this young guy who's going to make love to you. Yeah, so roughly, <laughs> he looks like a very tough dude. So why do you think that she was so horrified when he was talking about? Because he realized that she's not going to be able to keep up with this young stud. Because he's like, "I can do all this stuff that we've been wanting to do," and like, he's jumping about... around like an idiot. Yeah, he's and she's like afraid of stairs. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, "We'll go do all this stuff." Yeah, I like at the very beginning when he, they're, the the sales guy is showing them like here's the showroom, and they're well, really these are... confused about this whole process too. For people who elected to go to this shop, they're like, "Oh, what's going on now?" <laughs> exactly. I, I I have a point I'll make later in the episode about oh, okay. this. Okay, but um, they're going through and they kind of pauses like, "Oh, here's the teen the teen bodies," but you know you're probably not into that. And that seems like a little bit of an, an assumption yeah. on his part because maybe they wanted to go back that far, maybe. 
They're both a super creepy couple. <laughs> we don't know. They were pretty affectionate towards each other. They yeah. seemed like deviants. Yeah, absolutely. But they've been married 50 years. Oh, boy. Gross. There's a sweet moment when he's like, oh, are you sure you can stand another century of me? He's like, oh, I'd love another century yeah. with you, my dear. I'd yeah. take several. <laughs> yeah, they're very sweet. Also, they were shocked by the price tag of $5,000, yeah. which seems more than reasonable. Even 1962, $5,000 for another 100 years of life. That's probably how much a color television cost back then, right? <laughs> kind of an interesting episode, sweet. But I think that this is an episode that I know next season, uh, because Twilight Zone was called in as a replacement for another program, uh, you've got hour-long episodes, right? right? I think this is an episode that really would have benefited from a longer format had they've known so they can actually leave the building and walk around with him as young and not her that, as old? but just I mean that poker game just seems like it's just kind of jammed in there. I would like yeah. to have learned a little more about the characters and yeah, I actually really like that old guy. I like the performance and yeah. I definitely wanted to see more from him. Like he had like a Werner Herzog kind of delivery, constantly mm-hmm. talking about how he was in pain, and then he started to die in the middle of the poker game or something. Yeah, and just wasting away. That's that's what this episode was. It wasn't that satisfying on a sci-fi level. It's like, oh, no. this is just a sweet little episode. There's about- that moment of horror then when she realizes that she can't do it. And I really like that a lot where she just like claws at her face. Yeah, which it's I, the proverbial clawing at your own face. I've never done that. I hope that <laughs> yeah. I'm, maybe I'm fortunate and that's like a thing that people routinely do yeah. in their lives, but yeah. it's, I've never reached that moment of agony yet. Yet. <laughs> this episode continues the trend of the Twilight Zone uh, showing old people they don't look right. Like they seem, it seems like they're using some weird pasty makeup on yeah. all old people in the Twilight Zone. Where yeah. it's just, it looks like a mess. It looks like flour is just mm-hmm. plastered all over their face. Like that, or maybe like they paint egg whites on them yeah. or something. Cause the wrinkles don't look quite effective enough. Like they bring people in and they're like, okay, you're old, right? Just looking at your, your mug shot here. And I mean, obviously your old face, but not quite old enough. Let's, yeah. let's see what we could do. Draw some lines on you. That's the thing. It looks like they deepen the wrinkles of the old lady in particular. It's like, do they yeah. just take like a marker and just, all right, let me just spread that and then draw an extra <laughs> line in there and then fold up your eyebrows again. Yeah. All you have to do if you're old is use a quivery old lady voice. And yeah. it's like, done. You don't have to do much more than that. You don't have to do more than that. You're old. The most impressive part of this episode to me yes. was when they were looking at the 20-somethings and they brought in... Uh, who are the bodies that they were going to go into. Mm-hmm. And then they brought in the guys and be like, I'll take this one. And like two like mover helper guys come in and they pick up yep. the 20-something guy, but he stays completely stiff and standing as they pick him up and then move him away. And for a series that has had a hit and miss track record for people being able to stay still, I was very impressed that that yeah. guy was able to... They've come a long way since Elegy. <laughs> so <think>. far <laughs> since Elegy, yeah. <laughs> so, Cork, uh, if you could go back into a body, what age would they be? What is the best age? The best age? The best age, period. The best age, period. Well, you'd have to go 18. You would have to go 18? You'd have that's, to. That's where you'd start over? You that's where start you start. Okay, that's where living starts? That's where living starts. Where does it stop? How old am I? Probably I would say like two years ago is probably <laughs> like incredibly steep decline. Okay. Yeah. Is that true? Yes. What kind of stuff? Just, I haven't gotten to the physical pain yet, but it's just unending mental anguish. <laughs> yeah. And then your uh, German accent's going to start seeping through once exactly. the physical pain comes in. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, I could go up a flight of stairs. I'm not worried about that. I don't, I'm not like eyeing the ramp hungrily, <laughs> hungrily but Yeah. Well, just the thought weird. of stairs maybe <laughs> just ma- makes me sad. I don't know. I ended up giving this one a seven. 
that's exactly where I landed too. All right, surprisingly high in retrospect, but yeah, it was it was a nice sweet episode, and I think just that performance of the old guy is really what swayed me. Yep. Okay, we're moving on. <laughs> in in contrast, <laughs> we're moving on to a little episode called "The Gift." This one is for all of those folks south of the border, <laughs> down, down Mexico way. Uh, it's a small Mexican village. Uh, it's revealed in like a saloon that there was a UFO that crashed some mysterious thing. Uh, the guy shot other people, whatever got out of this UFO. It's a little bit like, a, will the real Martian please stand up? Where it's like, oh, there's a UFO that crashed. Something's crazy. He might have wandered into this village. There's a small kid, like a six-year-old kid named Pedro, who is in <laughs> this bar. And so it's a cantina. It's a cantina, sure. <laughs> and the music demonstrates it perfectly. And then, uh, so this white guy walks in at a certain point and he's acting funny and then they he shoots somebody oh he's shot they end up arguing and then he like beats somebody over the head with a bottle and then he ends up resting in the back room and pedro and him become friends and they discuss uh, whether or not he came from another world and he reveals that he came from beyond the stars Mm -hmm. and then they shoehorn in some religious talk talking about if Jesus came back today, would people accept him or would people kill him? And what about God and all this weird stuff? And then the mon or like the townspeople come to try and kill or at least arrest this crazy alien guy. Uh, he yells at Pedro to look at the gift that he gave him, which is a book. And so he's coming towards Pedro saying, look at the gift, read the book. Uh, and then the, everyone starts screaming, he's coming for Pedro. And then they shoot him and he dies. And then it turns out. That, burn the book. It's witchcraft, they burn say. The book. And then it turns out that the book has the cure for cancer in it, or he was going to tell them the cure for cancer. It had all the formulas, a vaccine. Yeah. But the rest of it's burned beyond recognition. Yeah. Sorry yeah. that I stepped all over your description, Hanson. But please this step ep- in because this was. Ugh, this I felt was your a pain. Mess. I saw that I did not have to describe this when I was like, "This is a gift in and of itself." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. First thing that's interesting about this is, and I, I looked it up too. Yeah. This is the last of three appearances that a certain actor makes on the Twilight Zone. He's the same guy from Dust. Remember Which guy is this? The. The dirt is love. Yeah, it's the, love. the magic. The magic is love. Yeah, yeah. Him. Okay. Yeah, Who he was also he in, in that, and he was also in the mirror. Which guy is he in this? He's the blind guitarist. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So we and he, that guy's actually Russian, by the way. <laughs> He's not from Mexico, but I have a okay. feeling that no one, maybe one of the writers in the Twilight Zone visited Mexico, or and then they bought a set, and they're just <laughs> like, we really need to justify. Having purchased this set. Yeah, every once in a while, there's the weird kind of minority-specific episodes of The Twilight Zone. Like, there's this, there's the mirror Mm -hmm. from, was it last season or this season? I think it was this season. Yeah. Uh, And then, like, Big Tall Wish season one is like, this is our black episode. Yeah. And then this is like, this is our big Mexico episode. It it was confusing to me when Pedro, everybody's speaking perfect English, and then there's one bit where Pedro says, see. Yes. And it's like, wait a minute. Well, now everything's thrown off. Because if you blend Spanish, am I supposed mm-hmm. to think that you're all not speaking Spanish and it's I just translated know. for me? He's kind of a weird anomaly to begin with because <laughs> he he and the alien have like a special bond almost immediately because... I know nothing no. else, but he's my friend. <laughs> exactly. And they've yeah. known each other for like 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And but nobody seems to know where Pedro came from. It's just he, the <laughs> guy who owns the the cantina, is like, hey, showed up one day. Uh, he sweeps the floor, and I give him a bed to stay on. Yeah, and nobody has a problem with that. The doctor who comes to visit to attend to the the alien while he's recuperating yeah. at the end does say, "Okay, Pedro, come with me." You know, so there's gonna he's gonna whisk him away to parts unknown, some semblance of a home. This yeah. really is the most boring alien story of all time. You have everything that you think that all you know it's like a formula vaccine of sorts you've uh-huh. got the cure for cancer is an element yeah. you have an alien you have yeah. a gunfight uh but i guess plus mexico is like the negative element in the twilight zone that brings it to a big zero i took a note uh, just to remind myself what this episode's about and i wrote down that episode where the mexicans shoot jesus who's trying to give earth a cure for cancer yep so i guess that sums it up and so that's that, basically it that's the connection is they're trying to imply slightly with him talking about not being from the stars, but being beyond the stars mm-hmm. that he was Jesus yeah, or some reincarnation of Jesus and humanity, or at least Mexico just can't handle him, and he has to go down. See that. I think that setting added nothing to it. No, I think that it would have been maybe a more powerful message, probably more obvious. Yeah. But if it had been, the alien took the form of like a black dude in just right. suburban America. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it would have been much better. I, I I don't know what the point of having this twist is. Yeah. Maybe they just, yeah, they wanted to use that set or wanted to, they were inspired by it in some way, but it just really did not work. We bought it's all like, this idle guitar strumming that's vaguely <laughs> Spanish sounding, so. And then like just everybody's performances throughout the entire episode is just so low key mm-hmm. and just, awkward and maybe it's like a lack of music in the episode but the whole thing just felt like oh no one's giving it they're all the direction seems way off no one yeah. understands what's happening it was one thing though i yeah. will say i am a big fan of people throwing really heavy coins onto a rough hewn oh, yeah, bar yeah. yeah and this had that a few times <laughs> well there we go so if you're all a big right. fan of that so if you had to count those coins and each coin was a point yes how many would you slam down on that counter Three coins. Three coins and a fountain for me, too, Clark. I gave it the old three. Yeah. Trace. Ah, but fortunately, next up we have... Oh, boy. The Dummy. Okay, you've been looking forward to this one. Okay. By the way, I should point out, uh, before we recorded this, before I watched them, Mm -hmm. you said, I watched all seven. There is something in this block that you should pay attention to. Yes. Because it really stands out for me, and I really want to talk about it. Okay. It's something very subtle, and... So it really messes with somebody's mind when you do that. So I think I have what you were talking about. Oh, I hope you do, because I didn't. I just made that up. Is that true? No, I have okay. actually a fake a fake link to the ultimate unified Twilight Zone theory, though. A fake there, link? Uh, no, maybe it is a link to this Twilight like unified okay. Twilight Zone. Okay. okay, it's not a fake link now. All I'm right, think about. It. I'm emboldened. Okay. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Oh, like let's talk about the dummy. Okay, the dummy. Ventriloquist named Jerry. He's got a dummy named Willie. We start off, he's on stage, yucking it up, just a completely normal ventriloquist act. The dummy is really sarcastic and mean. And he's done, goes behind the curtain, and it's clear that the guy immediately starts drinking, and his manager comes back there, and he's like, oh, you're already hitting the sauce. And he's like, yeah. Guy has a really awful relationship with his dummy. He's convinced that the dummy is alive. It has a mind of its own, and the guy's like, you need to talk to a psychiatrist, because clearly that doesn't make any sense. And he's like, yeah, whatever. So he puts the dummy down and he looks in the mirror a few shots 
and the dummy is like moving a little bit yeah. every time the camera moves away. Putting so, his arm up on the couch. Yeah, head turning a little bit. Super yeah. creepy. The dummy, it should be mentioned, is a very creepy looking dummy. Not creepy. It's a certain creepy crappy fusion where it looks like garbage. It's just ugly piece Big together. Eyebrow. eyebrows. Yeah. 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 It's not great. It's not the greatest dummy you've seen. Anyway. So he decides, the guy's like, you know, you need to come, those managers, like, you need to come out and do your act. And then he's, and then Jerry is convinced, you know what, I've had it, I'm going to try something different. And he pulls out his old standby, another dummy, um, Goofy Goggles. And he's Giant like, glasses. Giant glasses is a gimmick. And Goofy Goggles does not have a mind of his own. Life is great. So he locks Willie up in the trunk and he's like, you're done. After this show, I'm flying out. I'm taking Goofy Goggles with me, and we're going to be a success. They take the stage. It's a big hit. Everyone loves it. And then they go back and call it a night. But then he starts hearing Willie saying, I don't want to do a voice. Dude, pretty- no, do the voice. Do, do the, the voice. voice. Embrace it. Hey, Jerry. <laughs> Just like a little, Jerry, why are you doing that? You know, the real sarcastic uh, voice. So he goes back, and he's hearing all these voices racing around, and he, like, unlocks the trunk that he locked him in, and it's empty. Right, and then he like goes crazy and stomps on the dummy, but it's not, it's not Willie. It's Goofy Goggles, and uh, then he's he's frantically desperately he tries to chase someone down, you know, because he wants to spend time with him, and no one has it. Anyone they didn't want, no one wants to hang out with him at all because Jerry's crazy at this moment. And then, flash forward, we're in Kansas a little bit later, and the guy presents, hey, you know, we got a great act for you. It's Jerry and Willie, and then we see the camera pans over. And it's the same basic act, only Willie is now the ventriloquist, and Jerry is like a little ventriloquist dummy version of him. The end. And what an end it is. And there's a little bit of foreshadowing with that end in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And like when In the beginning when he's doing his act, which the audience is just loving. It's like they've never seen a ventriloquist dummy before. Yeah. Uh, but this- he, there's a moment when like he swaps voices mm-hmm. with the dummy, which I guess is a little foreshadowing yeah. there. There's so many great moments of this episode where like oh, when boy. when Jerry goes in there and Willie is just sitting in the and starts talking. Yeah. Moving his mouth and everything like it's no big deal. <laughs> I love it. And he seems so it's a little bit weird to me because he's convinced that the dummy's alive that mm-hmm. he's been working with. He's trying to convince the manager of the club right. of the same thing. But at the same time, he seems horrified when the dummy starts talking. And yeah. it's like really messing with his mind. It's like, well, if you already believe that that's what it was doing, I don't understand why it's now making you question reality. I think when we see it, that's the thing. Oh, that's that's when it really starts to So there's in. one moment when they run down the alley, when uh, uh, Jerry runs down the alley yeah. and he chases one of the showgirls because apparently at this nightclub, yeah. the two acts are ventriloquism and like I'm assuming they're like a can-can dancing row or something like yeah. that. And she's just not into hanging out with Jerry. She wants nothing to do with because him. Because he's frantic. He's like, let me buy you a drink. Oh, come yeah, on. Let's he's like grabbing her. Yeah, it's yeah. very weird. It's very weird. And All shot with like a crazy Dutch angle, yep. like a third planet from the sun. In the background yeah. is a poster for, this is my unified Twilight Zone theory. Okay. Is a poster for a circus. And the clown looks exactly like the clown from Five Characters in Search of an Exit. So I'm th- he's got like the little tiny hat. Oh, so he's like the action figure for I'm wondering that, if that's you know? what's going on there. That's how it that ties together in my mind. This is a work in progress. So Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, you're, you're a clown. You love that dude. I love him. <laughs> I, I love him almost as much as I dislike Goofy Goggles because it is the worst possible act. If you thought... For an, for an act that he's improvising, though, it's his first time out, and it's like, oh, you got to be on stage in 30 minutes. He's like, I'll come up with something. And, and he, his, the act that he comes up with is to get a giant... 
like like uh, an eye chart eye chart yeah and it just has one giant e on it yeah and then he goes up there does like a bit about how he can't see that because his eyesight is bad right yep. and then he sings i only have eyes for you in its entirety in that stupid little goofy goggles voice and the audience is just eating it up they are losing they their minds they really love it yeah this episode reminded me of how weird and upsetting uh, ventriloquists are and i think what really freaks me out about them is when they're doing the voice and projecting their voice, yeah. they don't have any expression ever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you can't smile and do the voice. So it's just like this weird kind of just thousand yard stare that they get whenever they're doing it. Like you think there'd be some ventriloquists out there that have perfected it at the point that they can smile. Well, the thing is ultimately to, to talk, you need to move your mouth. So you have to make some concessions. <laughs> Where did this come from? How long has this been Ventriloquism? A yeah. I don't know. It is, I think... If, unless you're like getting on stage and you've like made farting sounds with your armpit, yeah. it is the lowest form of entertainment you can expect someone to pay to to watch. I think. But yet, there's that one guy. What, what's that dummy's name? The oh god, what you know is what his mean? name? He's always on Comedy Central. Like he is He's the only that... ventriloquist that is making it today, as far as I know. Maybe down in Branson, they have Jeff some Dunham. Guys. Is that his name? I don't know if that's it or if that's just a guy on blue collar comedy tour, but I think, I think Jeff Denham sounds right. Yeah. yeah. And he's got that like Ahab, the dead terrorist in the like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's just number one. I'm sure every ventriloquist out there looks up to him. Yeah. I'm sure he's got, he's like a mentor. But the idea of like kids growing up and choosing to study ventriloquism just seems bizarre, especially when magic is still a thing and magic's awesome. Every kid should just get magic is not awesome when oh. you're a little kid though. It just seems like the nerdiest it, it's probably like um, something to do when your rock tumbler is just <laughs> shining its stones. Well, what kind of magic? Else. I mean, like guessing cards and stuff. That's still cool. It's cool. But I mean, like the people who really get into it as children. Yeah. I don't know. That seems kind of weird. <laughs> you should force it down your kid's throats is what I'm, I'm trying I'm to going to do it. Suggest. You forgot in your description yes. about the part where he opens the chest and then he fights the Oh, dummy. there's a fight. Yeah. yeah, where it just like suddenly comes down. He's like flailing around with it. And it's just screaming like a maniac. Yeah. yeah. And, and Willie at one point, like earlier, when they immediately after getting off stage, there's like a little back and forth and, and the showgirls are there and, and Willie bites him. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's looking at the mark later on. Like it really like stuck with him. a little dent him. on his finger. Like, ah, geez. I don't understand why he just didn't get rid of Willie earlier. Like he never had the like the idea like, you know what, I'm out. Yeah. Well, were they going for something since he was a drinker? Like I'm trying to remember if they explained it. Like he was sober, uh, and now he's slipping back into drink. Seems like he's always been. He's always it. been drunk. He's always just yeah. been trying to deal with this maniac yeah. dummy. I think the only thing grosser than a ventriloquist dummy yeah. is one that's had its head caved in. It's <laughs> like that unnecessary eyeball that's just hanging out next to it. Blah. Yeah, it ain't great. Uh, this episode, I can tell you're excited about it. It's it's definitely something. I just, it was just disturbing. Like the amount of like laughing and screaming that the dummy does at the end. Like, yeah. It's not good. Doesn't strike me as scary. It's just uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. And I didn't find anything interesting about it and I gave it a five. Really? Yeah. I'm going to do a magic trick. I'm going to double your five. Are you kidding me? I'm not. This is one of those episodes, again, that I think this is like in the pantheon of Twilight Zone episodes. Like, this is when you show people. If you're like, all right, let's do some Twilight Zone. This is up there. For sure. Holy this is one of the best. One of the best. Yep. At the end, we're going to have to make the grand chart. And I want two pillars. One for genuinely the best. Yeah. And the other for you should watch this. I'm trying to remember what other ones fall in that camp. Like the Franklin one, but that's... Mm-hmm. 
or even like the one uh, thing about machines. Yeah. I think of just like those absurd ones, and this is up there. And this one is relatively famous. So great. It clearly made an impact on a bunch of other people. Yeah. That 10. Yeah. Just yes. And now <laughs> I, don't I know, know what you want for me. I, now I know why you're so excited I to talk about. I love the dummy. Jesus Christ. All right. Uh, next episode is Young Man's Fancy. Uh, a mother dies, and the son and his fiance or wife? I wife. think they're married. Yeah, they get married at the very beginning. Uh, so uh, I, the son and his wife are going and trying to sell the mom's house. The uh, husband slowly is reminded of being a child by all the items in the house and turns out that he decides not to sell the house. The wife is really upset about this because she wants a clean break from the past because she really hated the mother. And eventually the house starts to act like it's being haunted by the mother. And then the mother appears and argues with the wife about who has possession over her son or her husband. Uh, And then the husband reverts back into a child and the wife loses her mind and runs away. Yes. That is a young man's fancy in a nutshell. Well, at the beginning, it's like Rod Serling's intro says something about, you know, a perennial bachelor. Yeah, yeah. You know, now he's like, well, it was like 32 or 35. Right, I mean, right. that guy is at least in his 50s, the actor <laughs> playing him. He isn't, he's yeah. not anywhere close to being No, 30. the wife was relatively yeah. older too. I mean, yeah. So this episode... As it went on, I was expecting more and more things from it, and it just never quite hit it. Like, yeah. when he mentioned early on that, like, oh, by the way, my my father left when I was, like, two. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's an interesting detail. I wonder why they have to throw, th- throw that in there. And then in the beginning, the wife makes a big deal about, like, hey, look at me. I'm Mrs. Wallace now. Mrs. Wallace, that's my name. Mm-hmm. And then as she's reminded of the mother-in-law that she hates at the course of the episode, like a repairman uh, later on calls her, Mrs. Wallace, and it has like an, she's really weirded out by it. Yeah. She's constantly reminded by the mom. And she even looks like the mom. And then at a certain point, the house travels back in time, and that's when mm-hmm. the guy becomes young again and the mom comes back alive. Right. Um, and when that happens, like the wife's clothes change. And I thought they're going to do some cool infinite loop type stuff where she actually was the mom. Oh, gross. And then like, because the father left when he was two, that was actually the husband, and him leaving was just that loop resetting. Huh? Like, I was really overthinking this and hoping yeah. for a lot, because they kept cutting to the picture of the mom, and it's like, the hairstyles were just mm-hmm. similar enough. I'm like, I think this is the same person. I My interpretation, though, was when they kept showing pictures of the mom, it was more to remind viewers that she was just a really grim, disapproving woman, not like that yeah. she had a physical resemblance right, to right. the new wife. I thought this, it was interesting because like well, the first thing that happens that's supposed to be unsettling is uh, the telephone gets turns into an old-timey telephone. And there's right. these moments where he's like, oh, she used to sit in this chair and read her old-time movie magazines. And she'd sit here with fudge. And then they do these like show something and have like a big sting yeah. cue to it. And it was stuff like there's fudge in the bowl right, or right. the vacuum cleaner is different. So it's just these completely mundane things that just in my mind did not have any payoff. It was like... It's fudge in the bowl. I guess it wasn't there before. I guess that's creepy. Yeah. And they kept the clock kept like kicking back in yeah. and stopping. Yeah. Grandfather and kept, clock. Yeah. And I kept trying to think like, is that clock going along with like when the son's winning the argument versus yeah. when the wife's winning the argument? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's kind of what they're going for. Because he tried to get it started in the beginning too, and it mm-hmm. didn't. And mm-hmm. he just kind of shrugged his shoulders like, oh, old clock. Right. 
So were you, did you feel sympathetic towards the main lady, the wife? Yeah. At first I did because I thought the main conflict was between her and the mom. Right. And then it's revealed, like that's the big twist is that actually the mom is like, eh, this isn't my doing. You know, I was dead and loving it, but it's <laughs> actually, uh, he, he's the one who's doing it all. The son, because he's the playing son. with his old toys and he refuses to move right. on with his life. There's like the moment where he's like, get out of here, lady. We don't need you. And then she runs out of the house screaming. Yeah. And I would, for a second, I was, I was uh, thought, oh, God, if the door doesn't work, I'm going to be really bummed out if she just falls down crying. But yep, yeah. she just ran out the door. Yeah, it's she cool. Was fine. The argument they had with the mom, like on the staircase, it's one of those things where it's like, it should be, I mean, you're arguing with a ghost, so it should mm-hmm. be a little emotional, but like the amount of passion that she brought to that argument, yeah. it was like a Star Wars fight or something. It was mm-hmm. just unreal. Like she was screaming at the mom, going, like, your desire to dominate him isn't strong enough now. Just really like the most bombastic language yeah. possible for just like, hey, I think you love your son too much. Like, let him go. Yeah. Like, that's really the core of it. Yeah. That's what I, I thought that that was going to happen as well. Just more of like a release and acceptance. Yeah. Not just full on embrace of being a little boy in short pants and stockings. And going back in time. It's kind of like the end of static, I guess, where it's just kind of like the ending shot is him young again. Yeah. And then everybody moves on and he's just going to, live in that house until the mom dies again and then he can meet a new lady and then get in another infinite loop and it'll be like that uh, that one time traveling man mm-hmm. from season one who keeps sleeping with new ladies. Yep. I really like the idea now of just doing one year later. Every episode should end with that. Because <laughs> this is one I'd be interested to see. Okay. When, when we're done with season five, yes. we can come back in here and for every episode, do one year later. And okay. it'll just be our little radio play. Fantastic. <laughs> Every single episode. Yeah. I've got a lot of really good voices <laughs> on deck. Cool. All right. Uh, did we rate that one yet? I don't no. Think so. I gave that one a six. I gave it a seven. Okay. Yeah. A little higher. Yeah. You didn't seem that hot. It was on one point higher. I know. Actually. But uh, what, what, what stands out for you? Anything that we didn't touch on? Um, I just like the concept. I mean, silly as it was, I like the concept that the ghost was actually that weirdo him man, the whole man time. child, yeah. Who didn't want to sell the house? Exactly. Right. Cool. Uh, next one, dude. Next up is I sing the body electric. Could you say that in a different way? I could sing it. I sing the body electric. <laughs> All right, this one we start off up. Obviously, it's a man and three kids, and the mom is dead, and the family is still kind of trying to figure out what to do. Uh, there's a lady who says, you know, these kids, they don't, they need like a role model or something. And then she leaves in a huff. The son says, Hey, there's this place that sells, I sing the body electric. You go there and then they have a, a robot. And so they go to the robot shop and, uh, there they're greeted by this guy who says, Hey, here, here's all the parts, pick it. And then you'll have a lady who's like a grandma. And they're like, okay. So they go with it, pick the eyes, pick the arms pick the hair. You see where this is going. (laughs) Basically pick all the parts that make up a human being. And then this lady struts down the street a little while later and it's her. And she is a robot. She can do things like produce string for a kite out of her fingertip. And everything's great. Everyone loves her except for the oldest daughter who's not into it. She's like, you're not mom. Mom left. I don't like you. And that goes on for a little while. And then finally they have a confrontation and runs across the street. The robot kind of chases after 
And then a car hits the grandma because she stood in the line of fire and it was a great thing to do. And Anne is safe. Grandma's okay. Anne likes the robot. And they age. They go to college, getting ready to leave. And then the grandma is saying, hey, I've got to go too, but... I've had a really great time with all of you. They're going to disassemble me and my soul is going to kind of hang out in this room with a bunch of other souls and have a great life. And she's like, maybe in 300 years I'll get to be a person. Yeah. Good day. (laughs) I hope you kept your receipt. (laughs) I guess it's rent to own. You don't own it. (laughs) I don't know. That's the end, basically. The end. Yeah. I like that the, I don't know. The robot in this episode, which is set in the present, is more impressive than like the robot in The Lonely, which takes place in the far-flung future, you know? Yeah. It's like they're so inconsistent with their robot AI in the Twilight robot, Zone. Robot technology has changed. Yeah. But we should point out this episode was not adapted from, but written by Ray Bradbury. Yeah. They actually, uh, when I was a kid, they had another adaptation of this that was on television. What? Uh, the Electric Grandmother. Is that true? Yeah, and it won a bunch of awards, and it was really good. Was it a recurring show? No, it was just a one-off thing. For what? Just TV. I think it was like a network, like a special or something. Oh, When weird. they used to have those, yeah. Was but, it like the same script? Uh, I, I got it. It could just be my memory. Yeah. Me. It seems like it was longer. Okay. But I'm, I probably look it up later, and it's like, oh, yeah, it was exactly the same length or whatever. But sure. it felt like it, there was more made out of the conflict. Yeah, yeah. But this one, it just seemed like they had a couple of snits, and then... Yeah. Another van driver not paying attention, and then and this is the laziest premise of all time. That oh, if you need somebody to look like a savior, have them push somebody else out of the way in the street, and then they get hit instead. It's kind of like the nick of time thing. I think that happens. that happens a lot in the Twilight Zone. Is it's just the laziest premise. Delivery and everybody men. uses it. Yeah, I don't understand why. But I was going to say what's interesting about the Ray Bradbury connection. Yes, is that Ray Bradbury was cited. In Will the Real Martian Please Stand Up? Do you remember that old ah. crazy guy? He's like, this is like one of those Ray Bradbury novels. There you go. So, and I guess Serling was cited at the end of season one. But outside of that, it's rare to have the writers of a show actually mentioned in the show. Yeah. Now, okay. this is a like an instance. This episode has one of the things I've started noticing about Twilight Zone in that people don't seem to be remotely familiar with technology that exists within the world they live in. They're amazed by the magazine. Like, well, what do you know? Yeah. It goes back to the trade-ins too, where it's like, this is surely someone would have like heard about this. I mean, they heard about it enough to like show interest and to show up. And I know that you have to have like story exposition, right? you know, but it just seems like in this pre-internet age, people were extraordinarily dumb. And it also is a thing where it's like, this is like a double whammy because it's not only the, hey, here's a newfangled thing. Uh-huh. It's also a little kid showing it off in a comic book. And like right. little kids showing stuff up in comic books was another kind of, we had that in the, will the real Martian please stand up? Remember it was the aliens. They do that. It's in my comic book. Oh, not the real Martians please stand up. But oh, the, the monsters, monsters are due on Maple Street. Yeah, rather. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that. And then uh, a kid kind of serves as like a plot delivery device in the shelter. Yeah. Remember runs into the party. Yeah, that's right. Seems like that's the only use for kids is getting knocked out of the way of, of uh-huh. careless delivery vans. And then also kind of, hey, here's some new technology or the aliens or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. This is one of my favorite uh, Sterling reveals, though, is like after the kid explains the idea of this robot lady, then the camera whips over mm-hmm. and Rod Sterling's like sitting behind his desk, with like his feet up reading it. Yeah. He's like reading the article itself that the kid's referencing. He's like, 
They make a pretty convincing case yeah, here. This is actually great. pretty cool. That's one of his better intros, for sure. Yeah, he's laid back, having a good time, instead of just awkwardly smoking three cigarettes. Yeah, and then they go into the, the room where they, they have all the, the pieces and parts for the... What gr- a display, by the gross. way. Gross. <laughs> just gnarly. It's like a dark room, and then this yeah. guy pops up. And then he starts pushing all these buttons. Or maybe it's the same button. I don't know how it works. And it's just like, here's a table with a bunch of eyeballs on it. Pick gr- one. Here's a bunch of arms. And then the kid is very specific. Like, I don't want a skinny arm. I want a fat arm. <laughs> yep, I want eyes that can be my eggies. Different hair lengths. And then the, the, the thing is you're supposed to take these and put them down a chute. And the kids dutifully do this. And then one of the, the things you can select, though, is like a basically legs and a torso. Yeah. And they didn't show the kids picking that up and putting it in the chute, which is good. Because I, I wonder how I, they would have done that. I wonder how specific they would go. Just break it down even further. Yeah. Choose your grandma's ass. Okay. But it's funny, like, they get to cho- choose the voices, too. Yeah. And it's like, you have the option of three just horrifically screeching or baritone voices. Yeah. Or one that sounds like a normal person. Yeah. Which one are you going to choose? You could have any of them, really. Yeah, one of them sounded like Nelson Muntz, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's where the, the name comes in, because it's a quote from Walt Whitman, and, like, all the voices mm-hmm. would quote Walt Whitman as he went yeah. down, and one of them said, I sing the body electric. Right. Which is a song in fame. Yes, it is. And I've never seen that movie, but I know that song. I don't yeah. know how the hell that works. I don't know. Okay, good. People can't stop dropping references to fame. It's impossible. <laughs> this entire plot uh, is like, oh, this is like Mary Poppins. It's mm-hmm. a very similar premise. Like, oh, mom's gone, right? Isn't that a Mary Poppins? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And so then I looked it up, and Mary Poppins didn't come out for a couple years after. So Ooh. maybe your new version that you're talking about was helped fueled by the popularity of Mary Poppins. Yeah. But this one was kind of on its own. Well, which, both both feature kites. Yes, lots of kites. Uh, so there's this weird thread going through this episode where the robot makes a reference to the fact that because the little girl Anne is upset that her mom died, and she yeah. raises it like, oh, she abandoned us, she left us. And the robot's like, well, your father's mom died when she was very young. Mm-hmm. When, when he was very young. And then the father's like, how did you know that? And the robot never explains how yeah. that worked. And then when she gets hit by the car, she's like, oh, don't worry. I, I can't get hurt. Yeah. Like, I, I'm immortal, basically. And then like when she's talking about the end, when she's going to go into the room with the voices yeah. and tell the other robots everything that these kids said. Mm-hmm. There was it's a, like a hive mind. Yeah, that's it. I was reading it a little bit too much. I was like, this is kind of scary that she knows so much and they're all just going along with it. Yeah, and then also she just flat out lies because she's like, I'm never going to get old. I'm never going to run away from you. I'm never going to die. Yeah. And then at the end, she's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to run away from you, by the way, because you're going to college. Obviously, your dad doesn't want to hang out with a robot that he he's didn't spent quite fall in love with 10 it. years with. <laughs> Yeah, I really wanted that plot to develop. I wanted the father to fall in love and make little robot hybrid children. Oh. <laughs> sweet, weird, rusty things running around. Sparks flew. Oh, that's sweet. Uh, it was cool, though, that they aged the kids at the end. Yeah. I thought that was a really nice touch. Like, oh, you know, everybody, you get to see what these kids look like when they're grown up. And it turns out that Anne, who in the beginning, they say that nanny that's leaving, like, oh, these kids need a real mother. She says that, like, Anne's sickness is getting worse. Hmm. But they never really touched on that unless she was just talking about like her bitterness or yeah. what the hell it was. I don't know. But then, yeah, she turns out to be a well-rounded adult. Yep. They went to school at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think they were that close in age, but whatever. What's going on there? <laughs> yeah, it's all very strange. Yeah. Um, yeah, this one is a little bit sappy. Mm-hmm. Not, not bad. Uh, I ended up giving it a six. Yeah, same here. 
Okay. I think it's maybe one that'll stick with me longer than a six warrants. It's like, yeah, it's a just solid episode. I think it's all more around, of a premise to me. And okay. Especially having seen like, it's, it's probably not fair for me to judge it too, because I remember the electric grandmother so much when I was yeah. a kid, cause I, I really liked it. So <laughs> what? why'd you like it so much? Did they do more just, fun things or? I don't know. It was just a cool special I'm old, okay? That's one cool grandma. Because she had electricity, and it oh, was like the novelty in my town. <laughs> All right. Uh, next one. Who described... Did you describe the last one? I did. Okay. Looks like I get Cavender is Coming, and this is the story of Carol Burnett, who keeps messing up throughout her life. She's kind of a quirky, weird person who the kids love, but adults kind of have a tough time, and she can't hold down a job. Uh, and there is an angel in heaven and he needs to get his wings. And so they send him down to improve Carol Burnett's life. He goes down there and makes her super rich and turns out that she doesn't like it. She misses her old life. And uh, then the angel returns to heaven, but they find out that, Oh, she did get happier after all, just because she was reunited with her old poor life. And so the angel wins and Carol Burnett wins. Mm-hmm. And this premise might sound vaguely familiar. If you paid attention to Mr. Beavis. It is the exact it, Mr. Beavis plot. I looked it up too. I was like, as I was watching it, I was like, this is Mr. Beavis. That's what's going on here. This yeah. stupid, quirky asshole. <laughs> he's doing a bunch of dumb crap. And yeah, there she is mugging for the camera shamelessly. And then yeah. I looked it up. Yeah, both of them written by Rod Serling. So it's not even like the benefit of two yeah. authors coming upon a similar idea separately. Well, what's weird about this episode, I looked it up too, and it was originally supposed to be a pilot for a new series, like a weird spinoff of The Twilight Zone that was clearly heavily focused on the Mr. Beavis plot. Like it seems like they took the Mr. Beavis plot and they're like, okay, let's make this its own show. Mm-hmm. And this was the pilot episode for that. Yeah. And so originally, I guess it had a laugh track underneath it. Yeah. And then they removed it for later ones. Thank God. So the version that we all see just plays like a straight Twilight Zone episode, except when put back into the series, yeah. it just feels like the biggest ripoff. Yeah. So they got rid of the last track, but instead it's like symbol crashes if someone falls through a wall and stuff. It's terrible. Yeah. So is Carol Burnett funny? I don't know. I only know that she made Tim Conway laugh a lot when they were doing their skits. That's it. It's like everyone's just immediately jumping. They're like, oh, Carol Burnett's a genius. And it's like, she's she's obnoxious in this episode. I guess she's kind of charming. But I think we all just have the impression that she was funny and her show was amazing because we only see like the highlights these days. Yeah. Like the best of infomercials that you're talking about where they're talking about how they could never hold a straight face with each other. And I don't know. I know everybody loves her. And it's like, I, I liked Annie as a kid. She was in that. Oh, she was really mean in that, she though. She was good in that. Yeah, yeah. But in this one, it's just a lot of her, yeah, mugging for the camera. But thank God, because Serling wrote it, and Serling's never been the strongest comedically. No. the Twilight Zone. And so, like, if she didn't have such a powerhouse performance in this, it would have been just a miserable version of Mr. Beavis. But as it stands, it just feels like a weird, sloppy rehash of that with a obnoxious but occasionally charming Carol Burnett. Yeah. It... I don't know. I can't. <laughs> I really don't have much more to say about it, honestly. It's just. You should have something to say. I should have something to it say. Has, it has one of my favorite moments, it's certainly out of this block. What's that? Okay, so the angel warps in next to her on a bus. Yes. And they're in the bus going down the road, and he's like, oh, I'm an angel, by the way. And she just keeps talking about, oh, nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And the joke is that she can't process that he's an angel or she's ignoring the fact that he keeps saying he's an angel. And so he keeps doing this 
super obnoxious thing. It's kind of like his I Dream of Genie thing where like he kind of like licks his hand and like slaps his palm oh, down. Yeah. That's how he makes crap happen. And he changes the bus into a carriage, a horse and carriage, and then into a car. And she oh. still doesn't really react to that. And then back into a bus. And then after, at the end of that scene, the bus driver stands up and he says, I retire. And then he jumps out of the bus window. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's so quick. I can see why you forget it. But it's just this weird joke where it's like, oh, no more of this. My, I keep changing forms. And then he just crashes through the nearest window. <laughs> this is after the episode opens with her also busting through a pane of glass while trying to dance or... I forget yeah, what she I don't doing. remember what she was doing. She busts through into the into the manager's office. office. Yeah, yeah, and then I assume because there's some complicated like here. I don't really understand what her job was. She was like in a movie theater, and everyone had to memorize these hand signals for and, their jobs. Yeah, and, and he, she had to tell people where to sit, but she just couldn't handle it, and was yeah. acting like it was the most complicated thing in the world. Was it? Yeah, it was just not funny. I guess <laughs> it's ultimately. Not funny. Yeah, yeah, I did like the the tunics of the angels. They had like weird like lobster things on the top of them. They looked bizarre. Like they're, the pins where their where their cloth came together for their toga. Mm-hmm. It was just like weird and extended. It was like this weird. Those are feathers. They were wings. They weren't wings. Yeah. If they were wings, they were like two individual they were feathers. Ti- no, they were like little tiny like wings. I don't think Look so. Look at it again. They're little tiny wings because we'll they're it, absurd. We'll make it the header image on this. Just we'll make to try it the header image. Yeah, I understand what the yeah, hell's going on there. They're rings. They're they're rings. Okay. Uh, I thought it was cool. Like the thing is, like she wanted to go bowling, mm-hmm. uh, and she's like, "Oh, that's what I do with my days." Instead, the angel makes her go to a fancy party, and there's this really weird, awkward montage where like she can't handle everybody talking so much yeah. at the party, and it's like a cross dissolve of her face mm-hmm. uh, with like a bunch of like people drinking and screaming and stuff. Yeah, uh, but she just wants to go bowling. And this is just me reading into it too much, but like the angels at the end were watching her bowl. Mm-hmm. And I thought like, oh, that's a nice twist. Cause I don't know about you, but like as me as a kid, it was always like, oh, thunder is just angels bowling Oh, up in heaven. So it's like, it's cool to watch angels watch bowling on earth. It's better than them watching her like go to the bathroom or something. <laughs> it's a good time for them to peep. Kevin Durst. Creepy. All right. <laughs> uh, I ended up giving this one a six. I give it a three. A three, yeah. as bad as the gift. Yes. Just because of it was a rehash, like if Mr. Beavis did not exist, what would this one get? Four. <laughs> it just it wasn't funny. Like if you set out to be like a huge yeah. like slapstick comedy, if you're not funny, you have failed. <laughs> and then the fact I think it's really awful that this is just a straight up rehash of Mr. Yeah. Beavis, which is one of the more forgettable episodes. So it's like. I can't imagine maybe the networks were just like, oh, my God, that was great. When he had the he loved zither music. Hilarious. <laughs> what a great character. He had all that crap on his desk. Tell us more. OK, speaking of crap on the desk, yes. this is the detail that I thought you were messing with me about. Oh, so I was scanning all these episodes. And the weirdest thing in all of them is when you see her apartment for the first time. Yes. There's an owl in it. Oh, and they never address it. There's just. One shot of like a live owl in her apartment and the camera just pans on by it as they're talking and mm-hmm. then never addresses it again. I really thought that's what it was going to be for you. No. There is something interesting about her apartment though. Yeah. This doesn't bring it up to a four. But when also she's looking at the apartment for the first time, on her couch 
it looks like there's a coat on top of something and it it's probably just a doll but i had just watched the dummy right before uh-huh. and i thought what if willie was underneath like this is like little legs are sticking out oh okay yeah that's kind of it's the unified that's another detail that ties it together in the same universe the kind of stuff that we're going to immediately forget when we actually try to tie all the no I've, I've written it down somewhere or whatever. okay good yeah good. Uh, also a dumb note about her apartment. You'll never guess the set that they used to show the exterior of her apartment. Oh my gosh. I was very, I was very surprised when I saw that staircase. Oh, great. Uh, I hope they retire that for season four. Uh, all right. All right. Changing of the guard. Here's the last one. This is the end of season three. Yeah. Are you ready? Yes. Tell me about the best episode of the twilight zone. All right. Have you seen It's a Wonderful Life? Yeah, I have. Okay. So have the guys who wrote twilight zone. So anyway, it starts off. There's a, an old guy who's been teaching poetry at this private school forever. It's kind of like a dead poet society before a dead poet society was dead poet society. And they're getting ready to take their Christmas break. And he does the whole thing where he's like, ah, you guys suck, but you're a delightful bunch of suckers. So they Dunderheads. Le- bunch of dunderheads, exactly. <laughs> he, they, uh, they all leave. And uh, the dean... Headmaster? Headmaster. He comes in and he's like, hey, you have a minute. We got to talk about that letter that the regent sent out. And he's like, okay. Yeah, of course. I just haven't read it yet. Of course, I'll sign my contract renewal. And he's like, uh, well, actually about that, it's a forced retirement. You've done a great job, but whatever. So he's like, ah, he's super bummed out. And he goes back home and he just doesn't want dinner from his lady that lives there or whatever. So <laughs> she, then he's like, I'm taking the gun out of the drawer. And he, I just... He sits in the park and he's like, I've never made, he tells the lady before he leaves. He's like, ah, I've never made a difference. Nothing has mattered. I've just wasted my life teaching poetry. It doesn't matter. Ugh, this is the pits. So he takes the gun, goes off to the who knows where, and she immediately looks in the drawer. The gun is missing. Oh, dear. So he's sitting out there. By the horse man grave. The horse man grave. <laughs> horse man's grave. Horse man's grave. And a bell rings. He's like, huh? So he goes in there, and it's a classroom, and it's full of students. And ah, But they're all the ghosts of students who have died, and they all proceed to tell him one by one how much he's meant to them, and the words that he's taught them have helped guide him, guide them individually through these trying times, including a bunch of wars. And he decides, he goes back home with a little renewed um, vim and vigor, and he says, you know what, maybe I, it's time to retire. I want to leave on a high note. I've made my mark. And that is that. Everybody learns a good lesson. Exactly. In the Twilight Zone. In the Twilight Zone. This is another example of a guy who was relatively young that they were trying to make look really yes. old and have that weird plastered makeup mm-hmm. on his dumb face. Yeah. As he's lecturing. And like I love that this is a huge chalkboard behind him. And then just the giant words, iambic pentameter. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, he's a poetry teacher. Just put something yeah. on that chalkboard. It's like water bar from... <laughs> What episode was that again? Oh man, that was uh, the uh, the time traveling one, Justice. Yeah, what was that one called? The one with the old West guy that comes into the present day. Yeah, we're really bad at remembering these, but we've covered over a hundred episodes. I don't know. Is it Alfred Hitchcock movie? Never yeah, mind. No, it's not Rope. Anyway, yeah, we'll never remember. Water it. bar. I thought this was a touching episode. Yeah, I I wasn't blown away by it, but like you know when all the kids are saying goodbye to him and he finds out that he's not going to be working there anymore. After mm-hmm. being fired by the headmaster, who did he look familiar to you? Did you pick up who that guy was? Who was he? He was the guy who took the vow of silence from the silence. Ah, yeah, yeah. That, was, that took some digging, but I found that guy. Um, yeah, and just watching an old man cry 
and mm-hmm. confessed to his weird maid who looked like Mrs. Beakley from the DuckTales uh, <laughs> that he didn't make a difference. It's like, I move nobody. I motivated nobody. And then I couldn't help but think, like, is this Serling just after three seasons of the Twilight Zone of being as preachy as possible in mm-hmm. all of his episodes? I'm not- having to poach my own sh- <laughs> the the first guy who comes up though he's like he died in uh was it like uh Iwo Jima Iwo Jima yeah and he's got the congressional medal of honor it was awarded to me posthumously and then the guy says that's a prideful thing that's certainly something to be proud of at first when he said that's a prideful thing i was just like like i, I i've always associated someone saying that something's prideful as being like a negative but Quit first bragging, i was like kid. yeah you're a braggart yeah. Ghost? It was, yeah, it was weird that they stuck with the ghost theme because like he's sitting in his classroom and it's this very slow dissolve of all the students coming back in and like mm-hmm. looking up and smiling. It's yeah. kind of creepy. Yeah. Uh, and then they just come up one by one and explain like, you taught me courage. And they're all soldiers, I think. Oh, one of them was, uh, one of them died of cancer or leukemia because he wasn't, he was dealing with radiation. Mm. Remember? It was so brave. Because that radioactive poetry book that he insisted on reading all the time <laughs> exactly. ended up being the end of him. Yeah, I should have bought that lead cover. Yeah. There's the one kid who died of autoerotic asphyxiation. Mm-hmm. Went into great detail to the old man. Yeah, I thought that was unnecessary. But <laughs> it's a real thunderhead move. Yeah, that poem was filthy. It was a limerick. <laughs> really <laughs> stuck with me. Let me recite it. And yeah. well, that, fade that, to black. Yeah, I like that like people like the kids were quoting poetry from the class that stuck with him mm-hmm. through that time and yeah there was a real hodgepodge you could tell it was done in like fairly like a pretty long take and you could tell some of the kids the, <laughs> one of the kids he's like i named blah, blah, blah. i died here you taught me about courage pause a beat and then big grin <laughs> <laughs> not all like, the actors knocked it out of the park no nah, they, they didn't do the best job but i it reminded me of all the classes that i sat through through all of school uh-huh. that were just zeros. <laughs> and I just did not learn a single thing. And it was just a complete waste of my time. Yeah. And then it's not that like, like I got good grades in school. It's not that I wasn't paying attention. It's just that it was just a complete waste. And I think of them on their deathbeds yeah. when they have a gun to their head in front of the Horace Mann grave. Oh God. It's good that you were not affected because you'd be shackled to that person <laughs> for time immemorial. Every time they were doubting themselves, those kids have to come back. Ring, who's going to ring the bell this time? <laughs> oh, brother. I liked when he was about to shoot himself by that grave, too, mm-hmm. that he had it aimed in just the way so that he would have splattered his brains all over the statue, which I thought was a really aggressive thing to do when you're going to take yourself out. Yeah. It was a final F.U. To Horseman. Yeah. Yeesh. And then, like, in unison, when all the kids said their thing, they all, like, put their heads down and... yeah teleported away slowly faded away in the creepiest way possible yeah uh i ended up giving this one a six see and i have folded away my notes and have forgotten let me see this but, left an indelible impression on me as well let me theatrically produce my book of notes yeah a five an old fiver a five all right i, th- I thought it was sweet that's it dude it was that's season three we did it we did it now we have the Franklins, of course. God. Looking forward to those. Those are intimidating. They are. Coming up with categories is difficult. It's Last time, the yeah, we thing. put those together, and then I read through all my notes, and I'm like, oh, there's so many other categories, and I ended up adding so many. So this time around, I'm going to read through all my notes again, Yep. find all the connections, Yes. Uh, and then we can build up the categories. Some returning champions. 
I think, I, I we, think one that's going to be a gimme is best uh, um, exit through a window. Yep. Best exit through a window. That's a good one. Uh, we talked about, this is a simple one, but uh, best title and worst title mm-hmm. for an episode. That'll be a fun one we can add. Yep. All sorts of fun next week. Oh, boy. We're going to have fun. I've only have eyes for you. <laughs> no, let me take it from the top, actually. <laughs> Shit, Stick around, this. people. You paid for this. <laughs> <laughs> Keep drinking. All right, well, thank <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, and uh, yeah, check out next week where we'll have the Franklins, the third annual, not really annual, but annual, man, the third regular Franklins. So uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in again, and uh, be sure and subscribe on iTunes if you like this or whatevs, or not. Don't cost nothing. (laughs) Don't cost nothing, exactly. So no refunds. (laughs) Close it. All right, bye, Dwight. (laughs) now you're the dummy you're made out of wood you blockhead that's not very nice yeah your face isn't very nice you asshole oh come on there's no need to get vulgar or coarse yeah coarse yeah you should know about that Sandpaper would do you a little better. Oh, brother, I'm not good for the venture. All right, everybody. <laughs> Let's get real there, everybody. I'm not much of a ventriloquist, okay? <laughs>